lessons of the prequel trilogy. On this planet, there are so many beautiful Buddhist statues and Buddhist temples, and so many beautiful men and women who are utterly committed to the Buddhist teachings and techniques, or at least what they were taught they were. And yet, by their own admission, there are so very few, if any, who have become Buddhas in turn. How did this come to be? To understand this, it could be helpful to use the tales of the Star Wars galaxy as a series of similes. The Jedi did not set out to be led astray. They were deceived and confused and manipulated by a very cunning and secretive Sith Lord, a deceptive fellow who was keenly skilled at the deceptions of innocent appearances. Just as George Lucas wrote in terms of the dark side of the Force and its light side as well, likewise, more than 25 centuries before, Lao Tzu wrote of the Yang and the Yin, which although have been translated as male and female, I prefer to think of them in terms of toxic masculinity and healing femininity. A great example of healing femininity from the prequel trilogy is Jedi Master Qui-Gon Jinn, who strove neither for rank nor prestige, but yearned simply to flow with the Force. Consider his opposite, the tragic tale of Anakin Skywalker, who in his greed for rank and prestige and safety lost everything. In any organization, there will be those who fight and claw and plot to attain positions of leadership and others who are far more interested in simply mastering the teachings. That is how, in every religion, the majority of the positions of power have come to be occupied by those who hunger and thirst for power and for cleverness infinitely more than they yearn for love and wisdom. This perspective of craving and controlling has skewed their perception and comprehension of the Buddha's teachings. This becomes evident upon closer examination of the most basic meditation instructions. We are told to focus upon an object such as our breath. And when we have noticed that our attention has wavered, they instruct us to drag it back to our arbitrary object of focus. Such is the path of active concentration, and it is in perfect harmony with the with toxic masculinity's tendencies to use force to modify a situation. But active concentration is actually the opposite of the Buddha's seven enlightenment factors. 
where we are taught to passively notice our present moment experience without analyzing it or controlling it or modifying it. We are taught to notice it with the utmost vulnerability and then relax into it. We are taught to marry those two practices of noticing and relaxing with our respective inhalations and exhalations. And as we do, just as the interstellar dust of the cosmic medium accretes into the massive object at the center of its nebulous, likewise, passively noticing and relaxing cause our perceptions and emotions and attentions and calculations and recollections and imaginings to collect inward, like planets falling into elliptical orbits around their star. This is the difference between active concentration and passive mindfulness, between the philosophical web spinning, web spinning of contrived cleverness and the visceral insight that flows from centered spontaneity. Long ago, the Buddha taught that the test of the teachings was not their age, nor popularity, nor wealth, nor intellectual appeal, nor emotional draw. He taught that the only valid test of the teachings were the results they generated when we applied them energetically and joyfully for as little as a week. Yes, this method is effective, but... For those who value safety and convenience, it could seem a dreadful thing. And thus, we have so-called teachers quoting texts and commentaries rather than walking in the footsteps of the great men and women of science and putting things to the test and noticing the results in the laboratory of their bodies and minds. And this is why. When a great luminary does appear, they do so typically outside institutional settings, in the tradition of the lone yogi, like Gautama, who gave us Anapanasati, like Prahevajra, who gave us Mahasandhi, and like Saraha, who gave us Mahamudra. Although each of these simple yet powerful techniques were given by lone yogis. They were rapidly co-opted by institutions, rigid and fearful and aggressive and controlling. In the prequel trilogy, it has become evident that the Jedi Order slipped into the rigidity of toxic masculinity, so much so that it could be argued that at that time, Collectively, they were no longer light-side force users, but rather gray-path acolytes. But we do not have to make that mistake. We could choose to follow the example of Qui-Gon Jinn, who in his habitual acquiescence to the Force, chose the centeredness of patience, allowing solutions to spontaneously appear 
and then relaxed effortlessly into their application. Let us conclude with a simple call to action. This podcast will never have any advertisements. So support us monthly on PayPal and like us on your podcast service to help others find us just as you found us as well. If meditation has felt impossible or boring or just out of reach, you are welcome to register at meditatelikeajedi.org for the next series of live online meditation class webinars that meet once a week.